This is Mr. Impact Wrestling himself, Moose, and you're listening to the Irish Whip. Hookers? Hookers and Coke? Hookers and Coke, man. You're the only pro wrestler I know that wants to do this shit in the morning. Yeti, you're a f***ing moron. Put it this way, I think Sammy Callahan might as well just change his name to Invader I want to know why. Like, he can dodge any question. Like, I'll tell anyone that. You can tell me the f***, but I, I'm going to ask specific questions. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WrestlingNewsSource.com all the rest of you yahoos are out there dilly-dilly you little wankers, we're actually receiving real wrestling news. This is Brett screwed Brett. I'm Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold two arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts, I hate your wristbands, I hate your shoes, I hate your music, I hate the C-Nation, I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> What's up, T.I.W. Mafia? JP, I'm running solo this week. None of this hot shit we were doing last week, I'm just going to come out. We're going to talk about some wrestling. I actually watched some the past couple of weeks. Uh, and we're going to talk about the world and the shit that's going on right now. Fucking COVID-19, the coronavirus, how I think it's going to affect um, WrestleMania. I was going to try to do a little debate today on this with uh, Josh, but uh, he's got some issues going on and he can't be here, so you'll only get to hear my opinion, the correct opinion, Uh, and we'll get into that later on. Now, I saw some people online taking a crap on the pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber, and I gotta say, like... I actually thought it was a really good match. I thought the women told a great story in there. Uh, set up a, the WrestleMania match that I think everybody knew was going to happen. We also saw the tag team match where, if you want to see... I mean, they did some crazy shit. The high-flying stuff. Uh, then you had the men's match. That was just a... It was a really good match. And it's... uh. It was a good overall thing. It was one of those shows where you got a little bit of everything. And I don't know how people aren't happy with that. You literally had a little bit of everything. So maybe you didn't like a match. That's fine. That's normal. Every show should have something for everybody. So, you know, you'll have your high flyer. You'll have your heavyweights, you'll have your women, you'll have, you know, just a little bit of uh, several different styles. If a show only has one style, I mean, you're not going to walk into a um, ice cream place that oh, that only serves chocolate ice cream. Because chocolate might be your favorite, but guess what? On any given day, you might not want chocolate. You might want to get, you know, vanilla or cookie dough or any other flavor so um there's there's that so people just gotta learn to uh kind of bear with shit a little and uh just 
be a little more considerate and not just crap on the product. I mean, if you're crapping on the product, why are you watching? Uh, I did not catch AEW this week. I did, however, watch SmackDown in the empty arena at Full Sail University. Uh, they moved it from Detroit to there um, because of the coronavirus. I believe Monday Night Raw is going to be from there as well. Uh, it's different watching it with no audience. Um, in my opinion, they all did a really good job because as different as it is watching it with no audience, I'm sure it's even harder performing with uh, zero audience because you don't have anything to play off. You don't have the audience members to boo or to cheer or... Uh, to just pop as you come out, any of that. And it's, they kind of rely on that, and that becomes a part of the performance. So I think those guys all did a really good job. I really thought the Cena in the um, Bray Wyatt segment that closed it out was great. The one problem being, no audience. So Cena, in his promo, came off like a heel. And Bray and his promo came off like a baby. If they have to do that again, I think by the time they get Cena back in front of a crowd, he might be a heel. And, I mean, they've... People... I don't want to say they, because I don't think the WWE ever intends to turn Cena heel. But people online have been asking for that for years. And I think they might get it by accident. Is it a good thing? I don't know, to be honest, um, because it's, he sells so much damn merchandise, um, and they need someone like, they need someone that's going to push the product, push the merchandise, like, he's the, I think he's granted the most wishes ever for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, so, uh, that's, I hope they can get them in front of a live audience soon. But, uh, doing Raw the same way, uh, I don't see too much of an issue. I actually love that um, the way Miz and Morrison did their promo. They kind of did like a very indie promo. Uh, playing to the, um, the quote-unquote crowd as far as, you know... We can't believe this is happening here in Orlando, blah, 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 when there's no crowd to react to it. It was, to me, that made it a little funny. And, uh, but kept them bad guys, kept us hating them. And now, this is going to be kind of a quick episode, probably about a half hour today, guys, so just bear with me. We're going to be doing, uh, we got some big stuff coming. I know we have the new Defy champ coming on in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I've reached out to some of the biggest stars in the world. Uh, again, you know, we have uh, just a lot of things coming up. And I think around WrestleMania, uh, so as we uh, start to close out March, which is coming up right around the corner, uh, I think we'll be able to reach out to some more people and get a few things coming. Uh, I know... We will have, it won't be me or Josh or Joe, it'll be another representative, a friend of the show, if you will, uh, 
will be down in Atlanta, and I do believe we'll have access at um, at the impact tapings. Uh, so we may have some stuff there from one of our correspondents, uh, and it's just going to be cool. Now, I want to say big shout out to WrestlingNewsSource.com. Uh, they've stood by us since day one. Ben over there runs a great show. Um, and actually, in my Facebook memories popped up a hashtag when I started out. Oh, when me and Josh and Joe were starting this back up again. And uh, it was hashtag WNS. We never stopped. Because we taught me and Josh, even though we're on different sides, well, not different sides of the country, but pretty close. Uh, we talk constantly. And it almost always revolves around wrestling. So, I mean, this, you guys haven't heard it, but this has been something that's been ongoing for a long time. And uh, it, it's just been such a long, a cool ride the past couple of years being back. Um, it, it's hits pieces we never thought and was so proud of it. And it's just cool that y'all want to listen to us now. I am going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back, and we're going to talk WrestleMania, how I think it's going to go, how I think it should play out, um, and just the way I think it's going to happen, and the way, it's kind of wishful thinking on my end, but I'll be right back. All right. What's up, JW Mafia? So, we got a couple of weeks coming up into WrestleMania. There's a few more Raws. I'm hoping we get an audience back in the meantime. But if we don't, in regardless of if we do, I think this is kind of the way that it should go down. Um, because, so, this COVID-19, this coronavirus... Um, I don't buy into the hype of it. Like, I'm not afraid. I went out last night. Like, I'm living my life. But it is something on a global level that is quite different. So if you're in places where there's international people in a large amount, a large quantity of people from all over the world, from these different countries... uh, Italy, China, spots like that. Um, It's different, and you have to be careful. And that's the places that you should probably avoid, but if you have to be in them, you know, then you have to take the precautions. And I would, you know, don't touch anything. Anything like that, you know, because the shit lives in... They say it can live in, like, plastic and things like that for uh, at least a half hour or so. So if you touch anything, you got to, like, wash your hands instantly. Now, what does that mean for WrestleMania? WrestleMania is a global, I'll say it's a global phenomenon. It's the biggest show of re- in wrestling every single year. Uh, people come from all over the globe. I can tell you 11 years ago, WrestleMania 25. Me and Joe uh, were down in Houston, went to WrestleMania. 
We did security for uh, Booker T. He had an autograph signing for his uh, charity event for the children. And me and Joe helped out and did security on that. And I can tell you at that, which wasn't a WrestleCon. Oh, it was. It was a wrestling convention. Uh, I think pre-WrestleCon days. And that there were people there from all over the world that we met. And it's not just the wrestlers. So, WrestleMania is just a huge global event. And I honestly, and this sucks, because so many independent promotions put out more money than they will probably make. Um, on a show, but it's such good exposure for them that they do it, and to move their whole gimmick down to Tampa for the weekend and put on a wrestling show in somewhere that's not their state, maybe the different side of the country, um, and they're going to lose that whole investment because I think WrestleMania is going to happen, but. I don't think it's going to happen in the Buccaneer Stadium. I think it's going to happen in Full Sail University in front of an empty crowd. Um, because they have to put WrestleMania on. They cannot postpone WrestleMania. Um, so the people that have tickets, they'll probably offer refunds. Or, you know, maybe if you bought a travel package to them, they'll offer you the travel package to SummerSlam in, in place of that. And instead of, you know, maybe they'll offer you tickets to SummerSlam in exchange for your tickets to WrestleMania. Um, I was just, uh, I had tickets to a concert in Kentucky, which I was going to fly out to to see Metallica in September. Metallica backed out because of um, some of their issues. And so what the state, what the, the promoter did was said, I'll either refund you your money or you can go to one of the other shows that I'm running that Metallica is still a part of. And I think WrestleMania does something similar to that. And I, I think it's the right thing to do. I think going in front of the empty stadium, canceling fan access, um, what they can do to make up that is bring fan access up to Boston. Wishful thinking on my part for SummerSlam. Now you can offer the people very similar um, travel packages for SummerSlam. They can come up to Boston in the summer. It's very it's nice up here. You get uh, one of that's one of the most historical cities in America. So. Uh, you know, kids could probably talk their parents into do doing that, and it's somewhat educational at the same time. And you know, you're taking SummerSlam. You, you t and there's tons of independent promotions up here, so there'll be a million shows that weekend to see. And that's how WWE can make up for it and offer refunds or SummerSlam Survivor Series, uh, Royal Rumble next year tickets. Any of those are acceptable. Uh, and actually, so, so like if you wanted to say some, say Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble, if you wanted those tickets instead, you could actually get the same ticket. Uh, and maybe they only give you a couple bucks back. 
Something along that lines. And I think that's kind of what they need to do. So now, yeah, I think, and I think WrestleMania, I think they can pull it off in front of the empty crowd. And has still have great matches. Um, and it, it's, it keeps them sort of quarantined to a point because they, they're going to stay in, in um, Florida. They can stay right in Orlando and put on their show in, because let's face it, so many of the people, like you can't fly into America from, um, most of the European countries right now. Um, there's a travel ban. So there's that too, where a lot of the people who bought tickets, one, it's going to be really easy for them to get airfare back right now. Uh, the airlines are giving credit back for travel because people aren't traveling because of this. And a lot of the people just can't get here. So it's, um, it's sort of a win-win for them to do it in front of the, in, in the empty stadium. Everybody can watch it on WWE Network. And, I mean, what better way to get people to pay that nine ninety nine than to have it literally be the only way to watch WrestleMania? So now you get subscribers. It's really a win-win. And I think that's the way it's going to go. Um... This coronavirus is crazy, um, and it's just they have to be careful with it. And I, like I said, I don't believe the hype of the coronavirus, but where it's international, um, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong, and the WWE doesn't want to take those chances. Um, so that's that, and... Um, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Like I said, we got some people coming on from Defy, um, who we've worked with for a long time. And, you know, we just had Chaff on the other day with Yeti. And uh, Anthony Green, I think, will be coming back on. Uh, I'm holding off on something for him, but I may not be able to hold off any longer. I was trying to wait till I was actually in studio. Um, but that just got delayed, actually, because of the coronavirus. So... We'll get Anthony on. He just got back from a tour of Germany uh, with WXW and, I believe, England. And uh, so like, I want to hear about that because it's not his first international trip, but it's his first huge international trip. Like, WXW is a big company. And, as always, just so proud of that kid. And... Um, it's just been, it's cool for him. It's been insane to watch his career grow and to see how he does. And just so proud of him. And, uh, that's it. My buddy Kevin Quinn just celebrated his 30 years sober. Kevin, congratulations, brother. I'm so proud of you. That's Ref Quinn from Beyond and Chaotic and all over New England. He's done MLW. Uh, another guy that I've seen literally since he was a fan in the audience, uh, even though he's an old man, and just so proud of him. And the, the I told him I I wish I could share a beer with him, but one day we'll have to sit down and have a coffee. Uh, Kevin's just always been a, a good dude to me and always been a friend. And as always, Kevin, I'm proud of you, and you're doing doing such a good job on the independents. 
Um, you're everywhere, and there's a reason for that because you're one of the best referees out there. You're right up there with some of the guys that I know you look up to, and I, you know I know who they are. Um, so, Kevin, keep up. Uh, AG, keep doing your thing. TIW Mafia. I'm sorry for the short week, some personal issues this week, some stuff going on, um, but thank you guys, thank you for being loyal, thank you for shooting our numbers way the fuck up again, uh, we're on the rise again, and that just, it's so cool to see our numbers go up, and so cool to finally, like, be recognized for some stuff, um, like I said, the, the, the things that are coming up, like, having a, having a studio that I can have guests come into, uh, me and Josh will be able to go live and take your calls live on the air. So you'll be on the Irish whip if you want to be. Um, stuff like that is just coming up, and it's right around the corner from where we're at right now. So thank you, guys. Um, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug in a little um, a classic right behind this. I think I'm going to put on Original Sin and Outback Jack. Um, two guys that you don't hear from so much anymore, Kazani, uh, a.k.a. Original Sin, and uh, Outback Jack will be coming right after this. Thank you, guys. All right, welcome to the Irish Whip this week. I am Big Joy, and here with JP, and we got our first guest right off the bat with us. How you doing, Big Joe? We have the Original Sin. What up? How are you, buddy? You doing all right? I'm doing all right. I just worked out. Had me a big shake, so I'm gonna try not to make any disgusting noises on while I'm here with you. Hey, dude, we're not censored. Come on, let it go. So, JP, yes, then you go right ahead. I'll, I'll prep some for you. Give me. You got a burp? You got a fart ready, man? Just put it right up to the phone. Let, let it rip. You know, just, just like you were, just like you were doing the electric chair with Carnival Diablo. All right. Uh, you know what? I've never, I've never broke wind in the in the electric chair, but I think now that you just put that in my brain, I might have to bring that to the table next time around. <laughs> Uh, right off the bat, real quick, we had a question coming at me and JP from the chat from Gary Brown. He's one of our listeners over in England. He wants to know who right our here. he wants to know who our favorite wrestlers of all time are. And I'm gonna have to throw mine out there. I'm gonna have to go with the first one I remember watching back in the day. Would have to be Andre. Andre. All right. Okay. Um, I would have to say I was in awe of Andre, but my favorites were Macho Man and Jake Roberts all the way. I mean, I and, and at re- when I was a kid at recess, I was always Roddy Piper. <laughs> Gotta be the loudmouth. I'm gonna take Piper for my favorite of all time, but the one that probably sticks in my head the most, and I'm probably gonna take a little bit of heat from this, is Hogan. So I'd say it'd be pretty close between Piper and Hogan. Yeah, so with me going back, I remember the, it's like you know, the, it's like they always tell you you always remember your first. The first person I ever remember seeing watching wrestling is Andre the Giant. Black and white, I was holding the rabbit ears to my grandfather's Andre, and it's just stuck in my head forever. Then going through the years, of course, you have, you know, different eras, different decades, you have your different favorites. But at that time, it was Andre who sticks in my mind. You know, when I was a kid, I got to see Andre live in my hometown of Toronto. Um, it was at the, the big event where uh, Steamboat and Jake worked, and they had the, you know, they had the little dragon and the snake and what have you, and the machines and Paul Orndorff and whatnot. And, I mean, there was... An unprecedented amount of people. And you could just, you could look around like, where's Waldo? And you could find Andre every time. I mean, he just stuck out. So, I mean, I can totally understand just how impressive he was. And I don't think it's it's an uncool thing to, to like Hulk Hogan. I think um, most wrestlers wouldn't be wrestling today if it wasn't for Hulk. So, you know, there you have it. 
like every generation has their person who personifies the era. Right. And in the 80s, it was Hogan. Well, I mean, he, he did things in a, in a really smart way. I mean, you know, he, he wrestled. I mean, he was a big, huge superhero kind of guy, right? So, I mean, he didn't appeal to, you know, just to, to the next guy over. He always appealed to what people aspired to be. He was that superhero. You know, he Lodge was Superman, life. and, you know, that was it. Just that like Sin, the anti-superhero. Oh, you're very... Well... <laughs> Sure, I'll take that. Why not? <laughs> now you got a DVD out right now. Warrior One Wrestling. Yes, sir. It, um, it was the show we did this summer up in uh, Ontario. Um, had uh, McFoley as a special ref in the main event against uh, with uh, Raven versus Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe had uh, Jimmy Hart in his corner. Um, it was a huge, huge show. It was something that we were all really proud of uh, putting on in uh, in Canada. Sometimes. Canada's sort of the polite version of what the Russian bloc was. It's it's sort of a, a land that's not, you know, it's, it's separate from the States, but it's it's a cousin, but it's still, it's got its limits, and, you know, we're polite and clean and safe, but the U.S. just has so much more. You know, the U.S. is just that land of opportunity, and, and sometimes uh, wrestlers as skilled or, or what have you as, as they can be, uh, you know, Canadian, U.S., British, Japanese, whatever. Sometimes, just w- with the you know, with with laws and whatnot, and you know, visas and what have you, it just makes it makes I guess any non-American wrestler you know stuck in a sticky situation right off the get-go. So, we wanted to do a show that would really put over Canadian talent, and in turn, you know, just be a good show that anybody on the planet could see. I mean, people came to watch that show from Italy, from Turkey, from Australia. There was all sorts of people. There's a, tons of people from Britain. Um, you know, just kind of like fans just coming to watch the show. So we were just in awe. We just thought that was totally cool. Something like that big, you had to throw it out on TV. Well, I mean, we what we wanted to do was, and when I say we, I mean um, myself, uh, Scott Moore, um, Rob Flago, who runs Squared Circle in Toronto, a handful of us that really put our brains together, we wanted to do a show that was basically an independent WrestleMania. We wanted to have the best of the best. We wanted to have skilled guys, you know, um, names, non-names, just, just the best guys we could, we could have, the most hardworking guys we knew, and that's what we did. And we basically threw a party. That's what it was, really. You know, I invited all the guys that, that I really respected, or do respect, and uh, we had a blast. It was a really fun show. I mean, look yeah, at it. I'm, I'm looking at your MySpace, which people can get to from going to the original sin. That's the original sin with two ends dot com, and that'll link it up to the your MySpace account where you have the the banner up there for the Warrior One Wrestling. There's not a name up there that I don't know. I mean, you say it's a lot of independent guys, but these independent guys are the top of the independents. Well, I mean, independent is really just saying non WWE, but I mean, a lot of those guys were former WWE, uh, former WCW. Um, New Japan, CMLL, ROH, TNA. There was a smorgasbord of dudes on that show, and they all really worked hard. And I thought it, was, I thought it turned out to be a really great show, and I was really proud. Yeah, you said uh, being an independent, all that is is without contract. You know, <clears throat> basically, independent is just kind of a. I know it almost just the word independent just sounds low budge. I think. I mean, yeah. free agent is a much nicer way I think to say it because that's what we are. I mean. You know, we get paid to go all over the world and entertain where we're getting paid to entertain. And, you know, guys, some of these guys are so savvy. They've been to just about every country you can think of. So, you know, I mean, they've all got skills and they've got worldly skills. They're not, 
You know, they're not guys that just were, you know were hired and then trained. These were guys that busted their asses and went here, there, and wherever, you know, to get acclaim, experience, TV time, everything, building up fan base, you know, everything. That's what it takes, and I mean, they put in the legwork, and now it's paying off when they're getting, getting put on all these major shows. That's right. Like uh, last week, we had uh, Petey Williams on, who was on, who was part of the show. Yeah, yeah, he, we were actually in the ring together, Petey and uh, Bobby Roode against uh, myself and Helvis, who was basically uh, he was the newest member of the the New Church at the time. Um, and basically, from that show on, is where we officially branched out to be the tag team Beast of Burton. Um, he was a really great guy. He was trained by Al Snow and D'Lo Brown. Um, when I was first breaking in, he was one of the guys that was really instrumental in, in helping me out and, and showing me the ropes and what have you. And uh, we actually tagged here, there, and wherever, just sporadically and coincidentally, long before Slash and I ever tagged. And uh, it's funny, we've never, we've never had a three-way tag. We've never done any six-man stuff. The closest we ever came was we all got drunk at Slash's house one night and passed out on his couch. And that's, uh, that's <laughs> the closest to... Uh, to getting slashed in and uh, and Helvis in the ring at the same time, but knock on wood, and we'll we'll see what's up in the future. I think that could happen. That would be a nice match. See the see you three going against Team Canada. I think um, I think since Slash and Helvis, I think that would basically be you know a demolition for the new era, and I definitely think we would kick Team Canada's ass. Do you think they can handle the you know think the ring can handle that much demonic power? <laughs> I'll uh, make sure to uh, fireproof the ring before we, uh, before we let our infernal... Uh... Make sure your scotch guys got the blood out, too. Yeah. We're going to have yeah, to add right. hell to the World Cup. What's, what's Actually that? speaking, what's that? We're going to have to add hell to the World Cup tournament. The World, the, the world X Cup, they had uh, you know, the land down under Satan's world. We'll have to bring their own uh, their team up there with the three of you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And actually, too, just uh, my my brain is, my my brain jumps for like Phoebe from Friends, so I'm all over the place. So this is what happens when you get Jack in an electric chair and get darts thrown at you for a living. I gotta see so, that. When is that gonna come down to the states? Um, I don't know. Uh, they've got a lot of shows planned for uh, for Canada, and they've got shows I think planning for um, England. They're planning to do a, a loop of the island there. Um, that's all in the works. Um, I don't know. I would love to do a show in the States. I think it would totally freak out everybody. They've seen yeah, uh, a taste of it when uh, we did the, the dart the dart stunt with uh, Jim Mitchell and, and whatnot at TNA, but they've never seen the full-blown show, and there's some there's some crazy stuff that goes on on that show. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Now, I've checked out the website right now. the Carnival Diablo for people out there that don't know. Um, what's what, how painful, how much pain can one man take now? What's the most painful thing that you've done there? Uh, the most painful thing is is the, well, obviously it's the electric chair, but um, I'll tell you a, a funny side story that uh, one time we were doing, um, we did, uh, okay, let me just put this in the words here. We are doing a show called Mind Trip for Discovery Channel that we filmed just before Christmas. Right. And we were going to do the electric chair and a few other uh, things. And we did the electric chair, and the, the deal was on this mind trip was a few different performers. There was like a psychic and there was some paranormal guys and whatnot and then uh, a couple of the Diablo crew. And uh, the whole thing was supposed to be done in front of a panel of scientists so they could, you know, speculate and hypothesize and whatnot. So usually when I do the electric chair, I'm usually, you know, in, in my ridiculous fur pants and my leather boots and all that all that stuff. And I wanted to have the scientists have not a doubt in their mind and it's legit because, I mean, there is amperage coursing through your veins that can kill a horse 
and I wanted people to know this. I want those scientists to know it. So what I did was I just walked out bare feet in just basically a pair of little black undies and made sure like there was no room for, for any speculation. And uh, when I get jacked in that chair, it's basically you just kind of go to that weird place and you just get kind of that white light of pain. I can't even describe it, but it's not anything where you, you focus on aggression. You focus on serenity. Like it just, you kind of, you know the pain's coming and uh, you just sort of buckle down and get to that, that weird safe place and you just give her. And, uh, so anyway, so what happened was I was in my bare feet and I just took my feet off the ground, not even thinking about it because... You know, I wear these big, ridiculous black boots and stuff, so my feet are always touching the ground. And I'm sitting there like a little kid with my feet kind of dangling in between the chair, not even, you know, thinking about it. And I got jacked in that chair a handful of times trying to light the, the torch off of my tongue, which was sort of like a little tiny uh, arc of lightning comes off of my tongue, and I light this torch. And it wasn't taking, and the more we tried it, like, I've never tried it more than twice without, you know, really having a headache and smelling like burnt, egos the next you know for the next three days but i couldn't figure out what was going on and it just started making me angry because you know usually i'm doing this with calmness and this time i'm starting to get you know aggressive because like my ego is kicking in and finally i realized wait a second i'm not even putting my feet on the ground i put my feet on the ground and we lit the thing and the camera crew just about had a heart attack because the director would just thought i was going to die which i don't know who knows i'm just i guess too stupid to lay down and die but that's my sort of side side note of mind trip. Now, I read in your bio on on your old website there that both your parents were black belts. Yeah. And did they kick you in the head a little bit too hard? They kicked the shit out of me all the time. <laughs> what would possess you to get into a friggin' electric chair? Um, you know what? It pays better than uh, slaving away for nine hours a day at Mickey D's. God bless people who can do it. I, we need them, and they're stronger than I am. I would definitely rather take a large dose of pain fast than slow dose of boredom you know it's to me it's like prison i would go insane those people are way stronger than i am real people in the real world definitely stronger than me or any other wrestler i guarantee that's uh, that's just some crazy shit yeah yes (laughs) willingly well i mean it's kind of fun in some disgustingly sick kind of way because i mean just it's the same thing as being in the wrestling ring you know you're you're getting, you know, a whole auditorium of people booing you or yelling for your blood or whatnot. It's a, it's kind of, it's a kind of a fun rush. Oh, it's like the adrenaline gets pumping once you, once they, whether they cheer you or boo you, you know that they're, they're, they're focusing at you. All their energy is focused at you, and it's pumping you up, and you, you must feel less pain than if they weren't. It's, it's pretty weird. I mean, it, it's, it's a cool weird, but it's, it's, uh, it's not normal. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. I right. get another question for you coming yes, in. Sir. This is coming off of our website from the person who calls himself the wrestling expert. And okay. I'll read this whole little little blurb there. Is there any chance that you return to TNA either with Slash or some other form, former member disciples of the New Church? You kind of got to this a little bit. Or possibly get together with the Monster Abyss now that he's managed by the Sinister Minister. All right. Um, well... I don't have any problems with Abyss. Um, I don't have any problems with Jim Mitchell. Jim Mitchell and I are, are very good friends. Um, as far as uh, seeing uh, Nick Simple and Slash back in the TNA ring, cross your fingers, might happen, might not happen. In the wrestling world, you just don't know until you see it. 
um, I'd be cool with tagging with the best. I think that would make uh, that would make a pretty good uh, creepy family. I definitely think um, AMW and I think Diamonds in the Rough and Team Canada and Naturals. I mean, they better start rounding if they see Slash Sin and Abyss together because that that's scary even to me. I mean, you got Showtime running scared now because Sting might be coming back. <laughs> you got you got Sin and Abyss coming after him. I'd be running too. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tip you off a little backstage stuff as far as Showtime. He likes to be called Big Earn, Big F and Earn. Just so every fan out there knows, that's his name, Big F and Earn, Big F and Earn. <laughs> and he should be running st- running scared of uh, Sting because, uh, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I think no, with the sinful character would fit in, and maybe not. I don't think right now at the Undertaker, but back in the day before. Before the ministry, when he was coming out, that would be a perfect mix. And now I think he would, the sinful character would blend perfectly as the overpowering factor of the boogeyman in the WWE. Oh, don't even get me started about the boogeyman. All right, um, Undertaker. He is definitely one of you know. He was definitely an inspiration, and he's he is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, the boogeyman. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever floats your boat, I guess. Well, I'm just saying, I can see like your character being like the all-powerful demon. You know what I'm saying? And then having the boogeyman be your little lackey, your little henchman. To well, you know what? The, the thing is, is, is that I'm all about you know entertaining, and you know my favorite thing is to is to freak out the kids. I mean, you know, getting getting adults to to boo and cheer, whether I'm you know a good guy or a bad guy, or whatever whatever's going on, that's fine. That's all. That's fun and part of the job. But I'm a kindergarten cop at heart. I'm a birthday clown at heart. I love to, you know, get the kids either booing or cheering or, you know, whatever my job is that night. And that is my ultra favorite. But at the same time, as, as hokey as that can get and as silly as, as the character can get, I'm a legit carnival freak. That's what I do. I'm not playing some silly character. You know, I'm not, you know, some boogeyman that's under the, under the, the bed or in the closet or whatnot. I'm a legit carnival guy. I'm not from hell. I'm from Toronto, Canada. You know, it's cold cold here. It's not hot. (laughs) But I am a legit masochist. I'm a legit pain guy. I dig pain. It's not a problem to me. I'm not weird. I'm quite a friendly, polite, happy-go-lucky dude. But pain to me is not a big deal. And I like it. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm a pro wrestler. Because, you know, just like like Christian said the other night, I I can take a great ass kick and then come back for more. It's like that uh, that tattoo on your back. That must have hurt like a ha- son of a bitch. That hurt like a mother. You know, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and what what got me through it was I just I bit down on my knuckles and stared at a poster of uh, that tall blonde chick from Nashville Pussy. Yeah. She got me through all twelve hours of my tattoo. That's a big tattoo. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's, uh, they told me they told me that it would it would hurt lower down by my down by my kidneys and not so much up by my muscle but for some reason that whole effing thing killed like a bastard and I mean I can take some pain but just it was just droning and droning and droning like you know when you get a little tattoo somewhere and it sort of numbs out after the first minute well this was all long line strokes because of the feathers and whatnot. so it was basically like the first minute times 12 hours which really did suck if anybody wants to check it out they can go to the original sin at sinwith2ends.com and check out that that you know, that'll link you to you is MySpace is myspace.com slash the original sin. And you can check out that tattoo. It's of like like black feathered 
angel wings on his whole back. It's it's a sweet ass tattoo. Yeah, real nice. I want to take a question from the chat room, and this question made doing research a new kind of a pain for us. Sin, what's up with this other Canadian using the name Sin as well? Like, how does that? Neither one of his copywriters. Indeed, have you ever met the guy? I don't have the name copyright. I know who you're talking about. I actually did a. Uh, I never met the guy, but I've heard about him. Actually, I did a clinic in Montreal a little while ago, basically being Lance Storm's uh, stunt dummy, basically. And that's who he thought he was coming out there to to throw around to uh, teach the, the students. And he was, I guess he was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't that sin. Um, I don't know enough about this. I don't know anything about this guy, so... I keep on hearing, oh, yeah, there's another guy named Sin. There's another one in England, too, I think, even though I've spent a whole ton of time in England and never met that dude there either. But, you know, whatever. I mean, Sin is a universal word. It's just uh, it's just an acronym. So uh, whoever wants to use it, they can use it. But there is only one original Sin. So that goes down to who does it better. The original Sin is the first one out there. That's right. I don't see that guy in Winnipeg with some crazy wings on his back. I don't see that dude in England with some... You know, darts hanging out of him or electric chair underneath his ass. If they want to have an argument over who can hold the name, whoever can sit in the chair the longest wins. Amen. <laughs> and I'm just saying that I want to stand up right now. I'm not even in an electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know what? what? I'll tell you something funny about that damn chair. Uh, one time I was just sort of just shuffling to get comfortable, and when uh, Creepy Scott there, he, he uh, his stage name is Nikolai Diablo, he hit that switch. Um, just a millisecond faster than I was anticipating, and I shuffled over, and I lifted my ass off of that seat for, I couldn't have been, you know, couldn't have been a quarter of an inch, and that chair just grilled my ass. I had a black, sort of a, a black mark on my ass the size of a grilled cheese sandwich after that for about a week. I will never, ever fidget in that damn chair again. No. You say you had the black mark in your ass. Have you ever missed, has that, like, the shark ever missed in... On you where you should where where no electric shock should ever hit you. <laughs> well, like I said, the closest uh, unpain the, the closest painful place I ever got was in, in the ass. So, if you're listening right there and you just heard half of that sentence, I'm not even going to go into uh, that. Well, JP more. takes in the ass, so fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> he takes electric shock. He'll take you know someone's boot. You know, <laughs> you know he's his own, he's a walking storage cabinet right there. I understand. <laughs> Now, you've also, if I don't know if, you, if I'm going to bring this up, you've also written some comic books. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, that's actually what paid, paid uh, to put me through wrestling school way back in the day. I, um, ever since I was a kid, I always drew and did, like, freelance artwork and whatnot, and eventually I, um, I did a comic book called Fred the Possessed Flower, which was just some silly little kind of a horror comedy about, uh, a flower, Fred, who was in charge of all the corporate marketing for hell. And, you know, underneath him he had Boogeyman and Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny and Santa and all that stuff. And Satan was basically just like the sort of the, sort of the, the dumb boss that just ran it, ran, or well, owned it while Fred did all the, the lay work and whatnot. And um, I did a bunch of comics, and then I eventually did like a big full graphic novel. And uh, you know, my brother and I, we wrote a novel after that, like no, no pop-up pictures, no nothing. It was just a straight novel. Comics for the kids, this novel for the adults. Yep, basically. So, so don't uh, judge a creepy book by its cover, even though I am, you know, some weird 
pain indulgent masochist, I can string a few words together and <laughs> I can doodle. So there you have it. Now what? There's no what, pictures and no pop-ups, so Joe won't be reading that one. Yeah, I don't read anything without pop-ups. Pop-ups are dirty. No, trees. but that's all Joe can read. That's right on his level. So. I scratch and sniff too. <laughs> now the well, between the, you're in the you're in the wrestling world right now, so be very careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> now the, both the comic books and novels, they can people still pick those up somewhere. Yep, they can get them on theoriginalsim.com. All right, and uh, what about they can the also pick up the DVD of the Warrior One Wrestling, which they can also see at warriorwrestling.com. Yep, they can go to either or. Um, it's That's warriorwrestling.com, and it's uh, the number one. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can get it. You can send in money orders, or you can do the PayPal thing. Um, you can see a, a trailer on the on the website. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, the guys that edited everything did a really great job. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff. I when I produced the DVD, the double DVD rather, I really wanted to make sure uh, we went very MTV with it. Like I wanted people that weren't even wrestling fans to be entertained by the DVD. So if you're a wrestling fan, obviously you're going to enjoy the matches because there's some of the best in the world on that, day, on that DVD. But I mean, you know, the commentary in between. There's some. I sort of wanted to piece it together like like the old school uh, Coliseum videos where you'd have you know like Sean Mooney and Johnny V throwing to the next match and whatnot and sort of adding in some little comedy shtick and some personality in between everything and our uh, our host was JT Playa who is um, he was a promoter in in Ontario and uh, Niagara Falls for Neo Spirit back in the day and now he is a freelance wrestler and he's basically sort of the the second coming of Sweet Daddy Seeky with the whole level of Richard Pryor to him. So he's as funny as you can imagine. And uh, him and Jennifer Blake, who is this cute little blonde girl who totally looks lost next to Player, but it's funny as heck. And uh, they they announce every match, and it's uh, it's really good. And there's a lot of there's bloopers and outtakes and all sorts of stuff that the fans can see, like all the backstage stuff. It's it's really good. It's done very well. Looking at the banner now, and you see Kamala goes bowling. That's something I want to see wrestling fan or not. I want to see well, Kamala bowling. Well, when I was when I was putting together the show, like I said, I just I didn't want to think. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of the startup wrestling shows they think very linear, and you know, they could be so much better. They there are so many good, talented guys and girls that are wrestlers. You know, that can put on a heck of a show, but it needs to be promoted and needs to be advertised. God forbid, like a you know a real product. Like there's nothing wrong with wrestling it just needs to be just needs to be promoted correctly you know look at i mean mr man's made a billion dollars off of this business you know so anyway my my philosophy behind doing my own show was i didn't just go i mean i i made sure all the the wrestling websites and so forth you know had info on warrior one but i sent it to you know, radio stations and TV stations and newspapers and what have you. And I, I looked for as much advertising and as much PR as I could because I knew that these guys had the skills that the mass, if the mass people could see it, you know, the wrestling fans and the non-wrestling fans, they'd be entertained. And I really wanted to think outside of the box. And I thought, well, Kamala at a bowling alley, I mean, that's as MTV as you can get. That's as surreal life as you can get. Like that's just as good as Vince Neil and MC Hammer and Webster eating sushi off of some naked stripper, <laughs> you know. Or at least, at least, well, that's as close to my budget as I could do it. Getting Kamala in a bowling alley, All right. which was totally funny. Jeff, you get a question coming out of the chat room, I think. Yeah, from um, Finn Mark. He wants to know what you thought of your time on the Maritime tour. The Maritime tours, okay. Um, 
if you ask, again, Showtime, Big Earn, if you ask Helvis, if you ask uh, Big Petey Kingman, um, anybody that was on that tour, JT Playa, um, you, they will all tell you that was probably the f- most fun time in their entire lives. Uh, we had a blast terrorizing the Maritimes. Um, we got to work, you know, we, we just looped the entire Maritimes going from Nova Scotia to, to New Brunswick and so forth, all over every town you can imagine. We hit it and we tore it up. And those guys were great, talented guys. Um, a lot of guys that people just don't know about, like, Something that I think a lot of the, the diehard wrestling fans don't realize is just because you haven't heard of some guys doesn't mean that they're not skilled or entertaining or whatnot. You think only the guys that you've seen on TV, you know, that's got to be the end-all, be-all of wrestling. There's a whole universe of other guys that are, are great wrestlers that just maybe haven't got a break or haven't, you know, haven't shown their wares at the right place at the right time or whatnot. But there's some awesome wrestlers. Uh, let me just think... Uh, Six foot ten Kingman, um, you know this guy is basically basically Kane size. You know he can cut a promo like Triple H, and he's the size of Kane. And if that's not money, I don't know what is. And he's a hardworking guy. He, he knows the business. He just uh, he works mostly overseas, and he's really unknown even in Can- outside of the Maritimes, and he's unknown in, in the U.S. But he's a great talent. He's also on the Warrior One DVD. A close friend of mine who we met in the Maritimes, and. Uh, he came out, um, you know, to lend his support to the show, and he is—he's a really great worker. People would enjoy watching him uh, terrorize the heck out of whoever he's in the ring with. Sounds awesome. That's—I can't. I'm gonna have to pick that DVD up. Well, right, if you now we'll get it. We're we'll gonna wrestling dot com, brother. I'll be there. WarriorOneWrestling dot com. Uh, the original sin with two ends dot com. You can check it out. Pick out. You can pick up his novel. You can pick up his comic books. And you can pick up the DVD. Check it out. We'll be right back at the Irish Whip with Big Joe and JP. I believe Sting uh, Sin might be hanging around with us. We'll be right back. Business advances web hosting with plans as low as two ninety five per month. You can get the professional web hosting solution that you need. Visit www.businessadvances.com. A total hosting solution at a fraction of the price. Register today and we'll give you 100 free templates to get you started and even more freebies. www.businessadvances.com Simply business as usual. The Voice of Wrestling with Chris Cash and Big Mike. Lex, I know know how hard it may be, obviously, and of course now that you have come forward... Uh, as you have mentioned a couple of times, we weren't there. Everybody listening was not there. There were two people there that night, to my knowledge, unless you say otherwise. One more time, can you can you at least take us through that night, as hard as it may be, of, of what took place? Um, I thought you dozed off again. You know, because, you know, it was, it was what now? I don't know what, 4 or 5 in the morning, you know? So I started thinking, everybody go, oh, baby, eat your stuff, you know? It's, well, it's warm, and she didn't respond. I said, Liz. Liz, you know, and, and I um, got a little strong with my voice, and she didn't respond, so I walked over to her, took the thing away, and that's when I first noticed she didn't seem right, and, um, I, uh, sorry. The Voice of Wrestling with Chris Cash and Big Mike, live every Monday from 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Raw. We are the true voice in professional wrestling.
Alright, we're back. This is JP. I'm here with Big Joe. We still got Sin sitting in with us, and we have another guest coming on. We've got Outback Jack. Outback Jack, he was the man when I was a kid. Still is. Still is. Oh, You've caught me at a little bit of a loss. I'm not, not, not terribly prepared for this conversation. Ah. Um, what were you gotten your number off of Tim Bale? He had said he was going to set this up for us tonight. Wow. Now you must have forgot to tell me. I apologize for that. If you're not free, if you want to drop off, I can, we completely understand. I mean, maybe um, better to do it tomorrow night. Is that suitable to you? Um... We won't be on. We were off and running, so let's let's keep going. All okay, right. I apologize for that. Um, so Outback, um, we're gonna want to talk a little bit. You're doing the BailCon 06, March 25th. Yes, yes that's um, correct. And that's, it was Tim that hooked us up with you, so we want to talk a little bit about that, of course, and what you'll be doing with them. Yeah, we of course want to talk a little about your WWF career. Sure. Um, I apologize again for catching you off guard. Um, I was just in the middle of watching Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you got TiVo then. Yeah, well, no, no. Of course, I haven't even thought about that. Ah. No. Where, where are you fellas broadcasting from? Um, we're both from Boston. Hmm. And we've got our other guests that's on with us now. We have the original Sin. He's up in Ontario. How you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. Good day there. He's actually, he's here now. He came in. He had made a quick pit stop from hell. He's going to make sure he get the first ride back. That's it. I was actually on, I was on another show earlier tonight telling the best place that I ever thought that I ever wrestled for, for hardcore stuff was Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden. Really? It was always a good show. Yeah, that was it was pretty nuts back then when it was the Garden, I mean. Yeah, There was exactly. as many fights in the stands as there were in the ring. Yep. Well, sometimes the fights in the stands were more entertaining. It was, uh, I remember one time I was working with Nikolai Volkov and he told me to duck and I ducked a, a, a beer bottle bounced out of the middle of the ring and actually hit Nikolai in the, in the, uh, just a little bit below the belt and doubled him over, but didn't hit oh. me in the head, so that was fine. That was probably my father who threw it. Good <laughs> <laughs> right. So you, you broadcast throughout, uh, Boston area? We're in Boston, right. we go, we're on the internet, we go, uh, worldwide on the internet. Hmm. cool. You had some questions to ask me. Yeah, we're going to talk about, like, what will you be doing with BailCon? Um, is it, you know, signing autographs, that type of thing? Yeah, that, that's, that's all. I, you know, I'm, I'm too old and out of shape to get in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were in the ring, how'd you get your start there? Oh, I, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, in in Australia, in a, in a pub in Humpty Doo, Northern Territory, and the uh, WWF was doing a world tour, and they were in Australia, and... Uh, we happened to meet up one one morning on a Saturday. We were going to wrestle in Darwin, and uh, they walked into the pub while we were all having beers, and it was uh, like watching fellows come to life off, to, off the satellite television. Cause that's where we used to watch them, you know. Oh, wow. I've been, I've been down to Australia. I was down there when I was in the service, and huh. Australians are legendary drinkers. Now, yeah, yeah. Andre the Giant was a legendary drinker. Yes, where would you drink compare to him? Oh, Andre used to drink wine. Uh, I used to drink beer. Um, I guess in days gone by, I could easily drink a case of uh, case of cans. But, uh, a lot of beer. Uh, Andre used to drink. He used to drink uh, wine uh, quite uh, quite abundantly. <laughs> drink it by the orchard. <laughs> Which service branch of the service were you in? I was in the navy. Ah, cool. I spent a couple of weeks down there. 
I hit Brisbane, I hit Perth. I had a good time. I just wish I could remember most of it. There you are. <laughs> Truly, it was like that, isn't it? Oh, and uh, I get the pictures, though. I don't know how. I get the pictures that came out with me, but I uh, just the memory's not there. You know, little little Fozzie, those Foster's oil cans can do some damage. Yes, Foster's oil cans can. If you managed to get the Darwin, you'd have drink, drink, drunk a couple of Darwin stubbies. That would have that would have rocked you, babe. I sat down at the bar and I had these the, the, the Australian woman, the Sheilas coming up to me, and oh my God, they were buying me drinks and oh, it's like they had hollow legs that they just never got drunk. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then I told you, lay down. I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> now, at your time in the WWE, who was your favorite? Who was your favorite opponent? Uh, who did I work against? Well, I I, I really enjoyed working against uh, uh, King Kong Bundy. He was uh, sizable and, uh, and, you know, uh, he, knew his, he knew his stuff. He was, he was good to work with. Never missed a spot. Timing was perfect. But he still, I've seen some tapes of him in the, over the past, you know, recent years, and he still doesn't seem to miss any of the spots or anything, so. Yeah, it's, yeah it, he, you know, he's, he's the consummate professional, without a doubt. Nope. <clears throat> Now, since so he's, he's I'm looking at in Australia, how did you wind up over here? Just well, I know I was working uh, on a cattle station. They came into the pub and uh, oh, okay, so that's that's how it all happened. And they uh, they invited me over after I took them out to a cattle station and uh, cattle station I was working on. Arnold Scolan was an, an agent that was uh, with the fellas. I, I guess Hillbilly uh, Jim and Junkyard Dog and. Um, Oh. Hammer Valentine and uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake came uh, came into the pub and wanted to see what a, a real life Australian outback pub was like. So, and you showed them the ropes. Yeah, I'm looking here. I'm looking at your bio and obsessed with wrestling. It shows here that you had a match with Rick Rude and, and that's true in December of '87. He made you submit. Is that a well, that was uh, Australian he, way. I, if I remember that right, he threw me over the over his shoulder in that uh, crucifix. Is it? Yeah, uh, that was in a TV match in uh, in Port Myers. Yeah, that was a that was a t- I wasn't real impressed with that, but hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it had to be something moving from Australia, you know, coming over here and just becoming a pro wrestler, being you know wrestling in front of Madison Square Garden and the Boston Garden. That had it was it was a it was a lifestyle change. That is for sure. Big culture shock. Yep, completely, completely. What have you done after your wrestling career? Like, did you did you still after your WWF career? Did you stay in wrestling? No, no, I uh, I, I stopped wrestling in about 1990, and uh, I went into uh, uh, the financial markets. I worked in Lehman Brothers in Boston for uh, a bunch of years. Oh well, right here, huh? Yeah, right there. Yeah. I got a question coming in from my chat room for you. Oh, back. It's uh, coming from Professor VNS. His question is: Where and when did you wrestle your first match? I the re- the first match I wrestled in North America. Um, well, I wrestled in Canada a little bit, of course, because uh, I, I got to the United States um, and was sent over to Calgary, where I was trained by Les Thornton, the man of a thousand holes, and. Uh, and Traveled, traveled around on the Stu Hart's territory out there, through Calgary, Manitoba, Toronto, all of, the, all of Canada, and uh, so that would probably be the first match would have would have been in Edmonton. Um, and who have, I can't remember who I wrestled, but in the U.S., the first match I had was uh, uh, against Steve Lombardi um, in 
quick grief, over in St. Petersburg or something like that, in, in, over in Tampa, I was a TV match. Now, of course, I won. <laughs> now, like, you had, a, you had a fairly short tenure in the WWE, but that, that short tenure transcended into a 20-year career. Basically, yeah. yeah I, was, I was with them for, on and off, about four years, yeah. Now, what would you prefer, taking a, a, taking a splash by Bundy or working a cattle ranch again? Hmm, I'd prefer to own the cattle ranch. <laughs> Um, but uh, taking a splash from Bundy, uh, that's, that was about as tough as taking an elbow from, uh, um, flying elbow from, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Good grief, now I've had an Alzheimer's moment. Um, Randy Savage. Macho man. But, yeah. yeah. You see, I'd rather take the splash and have to, you know, work with some cows and stuff. <laughs> Just doesn't seem like it'd be a whole lot of fun. Cattle stations are interesting, you know. The, the, the beasts you know, on the cattle station weigh about the same as Bundy, so it's really six or one half a dozen the other. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, who smelt worse? Like, who smelt worse? Yeah. Um, well, that's also a toss-up. <laughs> Are you a wrestling fan now? I watch it from time to time. Um, it's it's a little tough to watch. I mean, uh, when I was back in '86, was I, I believe was the modern heyday for want of a better term. You know. I mean, I used to watch it when I was a, a young kid. You know, I, good grief, I remember. Um, Lou Fares, Red Bastine, um, uh, Roy Haffinen and Lou Costello with the, the Kangaroos from Australia. They were, they were big names. They were world, world tag champions. With NWA was at the, the top of the sign. But, the, you know, the WWF, when I, when I was there in 86, and we did WrestleMania three and so on and so forth, that's the, that's the modern heyday. And uh, nowadays, I... I the wrestling's fabulous. The moves they do in their athleticism is just spectacular. Yeah. The uh, the, the risks, the, the moves are so high risk. It's, it's just it's staggering. Yeah, there's a lot of high flying now. It's a lot less, you know, back then it was kind of all the big guys and they kind of strayed off of that a little bit for the smaller guys that can do the, you know, all the flips and everything else in the ring that I can't even dream of doing. Well, they're, they're, look, some some fellas could do it. Like Tom McGee was a, a chap that came in for a little yeah. while. Was uh, he, he could do backflip, do a black foot backflip off his uh, just standing barefoot. I mean, uh, wow. he was uh, incredible. But uh, yeah, the, the I guess also yeah, the other thing that was fairly clear back then was uh, the villains and the uh, heroes were fairly defined and easy. There was an easy line drawn on the sand of who was who, and. It's it's very tough to see who's a who's a who's got an agenda and who doesn't now. You know. We get a couple of questions coming in for you from the chat room again. This one's coming from Gary Brown. He's over in uh, over in England. He wants to know what do you consider to be a greatest match and or opponent. Greatest match. Um, personal favorites. I had a match one time with the mighty Hercules. And we were in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we had to get 40, 45 minutes. That was just an absolute rip-snorter of a match. It was That's unbelievable. A match, even for today's That day. one is, is one of my favorites. Is probably the top of the top of the matches. And then, of course, um, there are a couple of um, Royal Rumbles on telly that I had that I enjoyed. But that one would be the... Well, oh, actually, another one I had that I, I really enjoyed was at the... Uh, the um, Good grief! Over in the Meadowlands with uh, uh, the King Harley race, 
I, I did I did twenty five minutes with the, with Harley Race. That was because uh, he was an all time legend, and that was that was just brilliant in my mind. Another question coming in real quick for you is from Woody. He's over in Ireland, and he wants to know: Can you still go in the ring? And uh, part two is: When was your last match? Your last match, and who was it with? My last match was with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and that was in Orlando, Florida, I believe, around 1990. Um, and I haven't been, no, been in the ring for 16 years. Any aspects of possibly signing one of the WWE Legends contracts and getting back in the ring, making some appearances for them? No, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't believe that Vince and I um, are, uh, are the best of friends anymore. Uh oh. You want to elaborate a little bit, or no? Okay. <laughs> um, got a question coming in now from the chat room from Professor VNS. Um, did you get a chance to engage in any high-profile feuds? And if you did, who was it with? Yeah, I, I did have a, a, a fairly high-profile feud with Killer Khan for a long time, um, and that was mainly to set up uh, Hulk for WrestleMania Four. Um, that was a good thing. I mean, uh, although Killer Khan was as dumb as a box of rocks and, and weighed about as much too, um, he uh, he and I and, and Fuji went round and round for a, quite a long time. Did you get hit with the mist? Yeah, I did actually. I did. And the stupid bugger, he bloody, in, uh, let's see, this was in Landover, Maryland. He was supposed to get out of the way as I was coming back. I was off the top rope, and he rolled underneath me, and I, I hit my head on his knee, the back of my head on his knee, and I uh, detached the retina, 280-degree retinal tear on my right eye. Hey. So that my right eye uh, is uh, pretty much cactus now. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds painful. It it. it a bit of a headache at the time, but it wasn't until later on when somebody flashed a shot a flashlight in there that I realized that uh, I was in a spot of bother. And the fact that I can't see out of it now also uh, is a bit of a clue. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that mess, like, you know, people don't realize when they're doing that, you're still, you're putting something in someone else's eye no matter what it is, so. Well, sure, sure. Repercussions, you know. I want to just go back to the... I want to make sure we plug the Bale Con. Um, Absolutely. At the Holiday Inn, 1800 Belmont Ave in Baltimore, Maryland, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'll be uh, there I'll be there for the, from 11 to 7, pending, of course, toilet breaks. <laughs> <laughs> there's some huge... There's some other names there that are humongous. I mean, yourself, of course, you know, Captain Lou Albano, um... New Jack, Kamala, the Valiant Miller. So I mean, to anyone in the Baltimore area, man, it's ten dollars admission. You'd be nuts not to check this out if you're a wrestling oh, fan or absolutely, absolutely film stars as well. So, um, sure for sure. Just a fan of nostalgia in itself, and you know anybody with of a legend legend status in any type of field, you know that's where you want to go. Well, look, it's, it's one thing to sit back and admire the, you, you, what's, what a person that's been your fan for, for yonks, and if you can, you know, if you can meet the cover charge and come in for ten bucks and sit down and, and have a chat and answer the, and uh, ask questions of your, of your, you know, your, your longtime heroes, then why not do it? Right. That's it's a great opportunity. Um, you bump, get up and close. It's not like you're watching them on TV or you know standing behind a barrier. You get right up there. You know, shake hands and you know, get your picture signed. 
Yeah, it's it's you know that's something that's something people you know bring their bring their bring their kids to see. You know, this is the guy I grew up watching. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a whole it's like a rite of passing. I remember my father bringing me to places like that around here up in Boston when some somebody would come up here for an appearance. They bring me and say, "Oh, this is who I you know being a kid. I don't want to go see him. I don't know who he is, but you know when he tells you, this is who I I grew up watching. This is who you know who I used to look up. This I was a fan of his when I was your age, and that's what you know that's what's going to make your legacy yeah. live on and on. Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's, it's almost uh, still is the same as to run a baseball analogy. It's like you know, um, a dad taking his uh, taking his son to uh, a baseball match for the first time, baseball game for the first time, and going into you know Fenway Park, and you know knowing that uh, I watched Carl Yastrzemski run the bases and uh, and uh, you know all the others. And, well, <clears throat> do you do a lot of these like the autograph signings? This is the very, very first one. Wow. Very, very first one. So, again, if, uh, make sure you get to the Holiday Inn, everybody, because uh, this is my first one. And, you know, if, it, if it's quite quite successful, maybe you'll get another. So you might get an, just a one-time exclusive autograph from Outback Jack and uh, and all the other chaps there. I think Bundy's going to be there. Uh, Jimmy and Johnny Valiant are going to be there. And, uh, as you said, Kamala. That was going to be when, quite uh, the collection. Who's who of wrestling legends? The person who put me in touch with um, Tim was Brad, who runs ObsessedWithWrestling.com, and he told me the only way he was getting given me Tim's contact info was if we got you on the show, which, <laughs> unbeknownst to you until about 20 minutes ago, we did. Well, it's an honor having you on. I know you don't do very many interviews, if you do any at all, and you, you, I know you like to live, lead a private life. Uh, this, I, no, I lead, I lead a very private life. I, I haven't done anything. Well, wrestling hadn't re- raised its ugly head to me. I did a, a Where Are They Now thing for the WWF magazine um, back in, I guess, quick grief, was it June last year? I remember reading it. Or June or July, it was the first time it had come out. Uh, um, and then, lo and behold, uh, a radio interview earlier tonight, and then this one tonight. So, shocked to the if I remember correctly, I think it says you work in the stock market or something to that effect. Yeah, exotic um, uh, exotic options and futures uh, and, co- and contracts on uh, on uh, foreign currency, foreign exchange. Oh, for a second, did they say you were an exotic dancer? No, no, no. I'm <laughs> not a fan. That's a fan base for a whole different, you know, whole different Yeah, that's general. something you want to talk to Freud about, not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's too up close and personal, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. You want to bring the fans in, not scare them away? Is that what you're saying? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's probably, uh, I do give good phones, so there's probably a, a, a lady or two out there that wants to be charmed by the dulcet tones of Outback Jack. I could, I could be talking to that. Take it for a trip down under. Yeah. <laughs> I right, think about being down. I'm not for sure. <laughs> another question coming in for you from the Professor VNS out of the chat room. He wants to know that uh, you were billed as Outback Jack in um, up in Stuart Stampede. And he was, where, where did the Outback Jack came, name came from, other than, you know, being from Australia and all? Well, I was always called Jack. Um, I, I used to hang out with my, my dad's brother, uh, who, Uncle Jack, who was, uh, you know, I spent a bunch of years with him, so I was called Little Jack. And then uh, when they bumped into me over in the, uh, in the Humpty Doo pub, um, and Vince brought me over, he said, we're going to call you Outback Jack. So that's, uh, that's the birth of Outback Jack. And how many names Vince has given people over the years? 
where he has a fertile imagination, doesn't he? Yeah, he, like, like I guess Santa said earlier, he made him a billion dollars. Made him a million dollars, for sure, for sure. Oh. Right, what, what was that, JP? Well, um, you said you don't really go back to the wrestling, but you do you still get recognized in that type of thing? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Mate, I'm, you know, I'm old and gray now. I'm, you know, 48 years of age. I've had gray hair and I wear a black patch on my elbow. People, uh, yeah, occasionally yeah. a, a shooter asks me about the black patch so I can tell them a, a nice big lie to get into their panties. That's about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, at BLCon, you'll be wearing, you know, the trademark leather vest and all that, right? Well, no, the, 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 unfortunately, the leather vest and, and uh, dearly beloved Irving has uh, they've disappeared into the dust. But I, I, I do have some relics that you, you'll you'll be able to recognize that back, Jack. There'll be no missing him. So, so you're basically saying some collector has that up on his shelf somewhere? Oh no, not at all. No, when I say uh, Irving re- returned to dust, I mean he's dust. Oh, he's he's gone for good. Well, right. uh, I, you'll, I'll have my uh, my leather dryer's a bone on and uh, a nice old, uh, very summarized uh, uh, Australian bush hat. The uh, gator tooth uh, necklace. No, the, I, actually, the 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 the, the um, crocodile necklace. I was um, doing a European tour and I I went into the ring. I was wrestling uh, Volkov and uh, Nikolai Volkov, and Stone the Crows. If I give it to the person that carries the gear all the way back to the to the dressing room and. Uh, Everything got back there, my hat, my vest, but uh, the old crocodile necklace went missing. Uh-oh. So I haven't had that thing for a long, long time. That's on somebody's shelf. Yeah, that's on somebody. Or, or dangling around some shoeless panties. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not going in the panties. That might hurt. Oh, yes, no. of course. Or you know, <laughs> somebody might be ready enough to put a piece of wire through it and pierce their belly button with it, you know. Hey, pierce gold and die button. The, the amount of teeth on that thing. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's BillCon. That's going to be March 25th. What's the address again, JP? 1800-something uh, or other. 1800-Baltimore? That's in Baltimore. Holiday Inn in Baltimore. Um, I don't have the address right in front of me, but it's March 25th, and it's 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And, you know, some of the biggest names in wrestling history, Outback Jack, The Valiant, Captain Lou, King Kong Bundy, I think... When I talked to Timmy, he told me the Iron Sheik. So, I mean, anyone who's an old-school wrestling fan, you know, a fan from the 80s, the kayfabe era, that will you know, be there. But 10 bucks, man, you can't beat that. Can't beat that with the stick, yeah. Cool. All right, so I guess we'll wrap it up right now. Uh, back, Jack, thank you very much for this honor of having you on the rarest of interviews that you do. This is a great, I again, we apologize for catching you off guard. Uh, the honor's all mine. Thank you for remembering me. Oh, uh, how can you forget? How can we forget? All right, chaps, thank you very much. All right, thank you very all much, everyone. Back, Jack, make sure Baltimore. you check him out. Apologize for the short notice on that. All right. Okay, all right. guys, thank, thank you. Thank you. Good night. All right, this is the Irish Whip with Big Joe and JP. We'll catch you next week when we have a very, very big show planned. JP, you want to let, let the news out? Well, I mean, I know we got, you know, Captain Lou Albano, but I think he's bringing someone with him, Joe. Someone or someone? There might be a few people with them. Um, Jimmy and Johnny. I know Jimmy's been on the show before. 
Um, yeah, we're looking at Captain Wu with the Valiant on the show, and this, as far as I know, is the first time the three of them have done an interview together. We're going to have them all tied up together, three of them all at the same time, for the hour. It's going to be a trip. And up on the train ride, back, just Jack, sit back I'll make sure that these guys all know about this beforehand. Yeah, we'll have to definitely clear that up, make sure that that's, you know, we don't want to run into it. Up back was a stand-up guy for not hanging up in your face, but, you know, yeah. hey, worked out pretty good. Nice guy, hell of a guy. Oh, yeah. And a legend, so. Oh, and so make sure you check us out next week when we have Captain Lou and the Jimmy and Johnny Valiant on the show. Have a good week, everybody. All right, everyone take it easy. This is the Irish Whip. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>